please stand with us and sing. Just as you are to worship, come, just as you are before your God, come, come. I know that Pastor Elizabeth usually preaches from one scripture. I'm used to preaching from three, so I thought I'd compromise and we'll have two. <laughs> Our first one is from the Old Testament. Uh, you'll find it on, in your pew Bibles on page 682, or if you have the large print Bibles, the Old Testament, page 917. From the 65th chapter of the book of the prophet Isaiah, beginning with the 17th verse. For I am about to create new heavens and a new earth, the former things shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I am creating. For I am about to create Jerusalem as a joy and its people as a delight. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. No more shall the sound of weeping be heard in it or the cry of distress. No more shall there be in it an infant that lives but a few days or an old person who does not live out a lifetime. For one who dies at a hundred years will be considered a youth, 
and one who falls short of a hundred will be considered accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity, for they shall be offspring blessed by the Lord and their descendants as well. Before they call, I will answer. Before they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall, be, shall feed together. The lion and the ass shall eat straw like the ox, but the serpent, its food shall be dust. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. And from Paul's letter, second letter to the church in Thessalonica, in the third chapter on page 1081 in your pew Bibles and 279 in the New Testament of your large print Bibles, beginning with the sixth verse. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in, in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to, be, how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, but we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living in idleness near busybodies, not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. The word of the Lord for the people of God. Step out on the water And they say it can't be done We'll fix our eyes on you And we will come Your ways Are higher than our ways And the plans that you have laid Are good if you call us to the fire, you will not withdraw your hand. We'll gaze into the flames and look for you. If you say go, we will go. If you say Step out on the water, and they say it can't be done. 
some of you. Um, I was rather surprised and delighted when I approached Pastor Elizabeth after she'd asked me to preach today and told her the direction my thinking was going. Her eyes kind of got a little bit wide and she said, my God, you'd think we'd prepared this together. Last week, Pastor Elizabeth was talking about the covenant that we have with God, God has with us, and specifically about God's side of the covenant suggesting, well, not suggesting, but making it very clear that God is there for us, always. When things get bad, when things are good, when things get different, when things get awkward, no matter what we're going through, God is there for us. That's part of the covenant. That is the covenant from God's side. But covenant requires two parties, and we're the other party. So what are we, what's required from our side? And that's what I want to focus on today. As I get into that, a uh, couple of just words of brief words of explanation about our scripture, the passage from 2 Thessalonians might seem a little weird. Uh, Paul talking about people not willing to do any work, just sitting around being lazy. Uh, You've got to understand that back then, people were expecting, many people were expecting Christ's return any day, any minute. Now, if you were expecting Christ to return and everything to sort of get changed and be turned over upside down, whatever, wouldn't you think that maybe, well, what's the point of doing anything? You know? It's all going to be changed and the kingdom of heaven is coming down to earth. Everything's going to be provided. There'll be no problems. There'll be food for everyone. Why do anything? Just sit there and wait. But then we start to get hungry and we start to want to, to, to eat and we haven't done anything to provide for ourselves, so we start pestering our neighbors. We start to become a nuisance. And that's what Paul was writing about. People who were expecting Christ's return any minute, some of them had decided to, eh, sit back and relax and wait. And that's not the way we do things. Because there is a job to do right up to that last minute. And that's something that we are called to be about. What is that job? Well, that brings us to our reading from Isaiah. 
passage from Isaiah also may sound a little strange when he's talking on and on about people will build their homes and live in them. Well, duh. People will, you know, live a long life. People will plant their own vineyards and eat their own crops. Again, kind of duh. Except that that wasn't the history for Israel. Israel, until relatively recently before Isaiah wrote this, had planted crops and someone else had come in and either taken the crops or burned them. They built homes and somebody else had come in and either inhabited the homes or destroyed them. I don't know how good you are at picturing maps in your head, but if you picture a map of the Old Testament part of the world, you've got Egypt. See, I want to do it for you. Okay, Egypt's down here. <laughs> and you go up and you get Jerusalem about here. Then you go over here and you get Assyria. Now, Egypt and Assyria were constantly at odds with each other. And guess who was caught in the middle? Jerusalem the Israelites. Times were tough, and they had just been through one of the toughest times in their history. Jerusalem, the place where the temple was built, the place where God was with them, inhabited, was present, raised, flattened, destroyed. And a good part of the population of Jerusalem taken into captivity and, and, and into exile. Where's God? How do we understand that God is there for us when God has allowed this to happen? But we affirm that God is with us. God is watching. How do we do that? So the prophet Isaiah writes to the people who have returned from exile now, but things aren't hunky-dory, aren't perfect the way they'd hoped they'd be, that perfection is yet to come. God will do it. If we put the two scriptures together, we hear the message that God will do it, but God wants our help. God wants us to be the instruments of God's purposes. How many of you remember where you were uh, 56 years ago this past Friday? Huh? You remember what happened 56 years ago this past Friday? JFK was shot. I was in a French class in college as a freshman, and somebody s pulled open the door and said, J John Kennedy's been shot. The president's been shot. And everybody sort of stood there, numb, didn't know what to do. And after class, we all, from all the school buildings, poured out into the commons and just stood around waiting for word. One of the things that made JFK important to us back then was his message during his inauguration uh, speech. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. That's putting it solidly on that generation that he was speaking to, to make things different. How many of you saw 
the movie back in the, oh, I think it was the late 70s, maybe early 80s, with John Denver and George Burns. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about. Oh, God. You remember George Burns' punchline, if you will, in that movie? I've given you everything you need. The rest is up to you. I've given you everything you need. The rest is up to you. Does that mean that God says, okay, I've done what I'm going to do, and the rest, I'm leaving you alone? No. But it is up to us to be listening, to be doing, and to be making the changes that we, li we look forward to. You've doubtless seen somewhere on some the back of somebody's car or somewhere that little slogan, be the change you want to see. That's what we're be supposed to be about. As Christians, as God's children, as disciples of Christ, we are called to be the ones who build God's kingdom. But every so often we run into a problem. I mean, you know, laying bricks on top of each other, that's simple. But something sometimes happens, there's an earthquake and everything gets knocked out of alignment. Or the bricks come from a different supplier and they don't fit properly. Something happens. That's a metaphor. Things don't always go the way we plan for them to go. And sometimes we have to deal with situations that are beyond our normal comfort zone. We have to work with people that we're not necessarily comfortable with or familiar with. And that may be awkward. We have to look at situations and take positions that may be counter to a lot of what we've believed. And that's not comfortable. We may have to get out and go places where we think we're not safe. And that certainly is uncomfortable. But that is what we're being called to do. Which brings us back to last week and Pastor Elizabeth's point that, well, let me put it this way. How many of you have heard the saying, God never gives us more than we can handle? Do you believe it? Okay, mixed feeling. Some do, some don't. I'll tell you my take on that. God never gives us more than we can handle with God. There are certainly times when God has given me something that I couldn't handle by myself. Whether I'm an ordained pastor, whether I'm just Pierre Carrier, whether I'm 25 years old, whether I'm 55 years old. But if I turn to God, when I turn to God, when we turn to God, God provides the guidance, the strength, the understanding, in the early service this morning, our uh, duo sang a song that referred to Peter walking on the water, getting out of the boat. Well, that was definitely outside Peter's comfort zone. But Peter being Peter, he said, I can do this. And out he got, and out he walked, and then he saw the waves. And what happened to Peter? <laughs> and how did Peter come out of the water? By reaching out to Jesus. And Jesus reached back and picked him up. That's what happens to us. We get the courage to step out of the boat. And then we say, uh-oh, 
Why did I do that? And God says, so that you'd know that I'm there to help you. We are called to grow as Christians. We are called to be more than we thought we would be, could be. Our faith is not something there to just sort of surround us and cocoon us and make us feel good. Hopefully it does that a lot of the time, but it's also there to help us get out beyond where we have been, to do the things that are challenging, to be the change we want to see, to build the peaceable kingdom. Just when we think we've made some progress on doing something about violence in our nation, another shooting, a 16-year-old in a school, and it just keeps on happening. And I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's gun laws. I don't know if it's psychology. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a bit of all of that. It's probably something even more. There's something deep down in the roots of our culture, of our society, that tells us to resort to violence to solve our problems. And that certainly isn't what Christ Jesus preached certainly isn't what God wants us to be about. But how do we take on this kind of a problem? How do we make the changes? Not easy. Not certain. We'll probably make some efforts that will be misguided. We'll have to back up before we go forward. But if we keep our eyes on what God wants us to be about, if we keep remembering that the kingdom of God is what God wants us to be building and that God will be there for us to help us build that kingdom, maybe then we can remember what George Burns was all about. I've given you everything you need. The rest is up to you. Amen. Please join me in the spirit of prayer. Gracious and merciful God, we thank you that you have sent us your Son, Jesus, our Christ, our guide, our Savior, to show us the way. We thank you for all those early followers like Paul who spread the word, who lived as examples of following Christ. We thank you for this fellowship that gives us a place where we can grow and exercise and be stronger and work together to be your children, to be Christ's disciples, to build your kingdom, to bring peace and justice and hope where there is so little of it be with us, Lord. Help us not to close our eyes, but to keep them open. Not to close our hearts, but to keep them open. Not to close our hands, but to keep them open. That we may do your will. 
we pray in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. The Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation, he rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures, to fill my life again. Give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. The Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King, Jesus. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. King. 